he's responding now. He's been making changes since back in 2012. And Mark Benioff, he doesn't have an issue because he's not in that demographic of a lack of diversity because he is a Caucasian male. And normally that is normally the faces of CEOs within organizations and Fortune 500 companies. So he doesn't have issues in that area. So does he have anything to lose by doing this? Not really. I mean, he might have more to gain. I want to take a moment and say a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Thank you for all that you do in the home, outside of the home. Some of you are supporting young people in the community. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do to support the future generation and even the amazing adults out there, these change agents that are doing amazing things because they had a father like you in their lives. Thank you and God bless you. Now more than ever, do we need to understand the language of the team members we support, the people we have personal and professional relationships with? It's not only about cultural diversity, but it's also about understanding different behavior styles, different generational styles. It's so important that we take our communication skills to the next level. And that's why I have created a process. I have a tool that I utilize so you can learn your leadership style because you're not only leading in the household and in your community, you're also leading in the workplace. So go to my website, AishaThomas.org, click on learn your leadership style or shoot me an email at info at AishaThomas.org and let's get your communication skills to the next level so you can communicate to people who don't look like you and also really build up those personal and professional relationships. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. And today, I want to show you some examples of real CEOs of Fortune 500 companies who are really putting where their money, where their mouth is. They're leading not just by their words, but by actions. And these are great examples that you can take back to your leadership who's asking, hey, what can we do to be more diverse and inclusive? Or as a leader yourself, these are people you can learn from to know, okay, these are maybe some strategies and ways that I can make sure my organization functions on that DEI, that diversity, inclusion, and equity. So get your notepads, get ready for this great message and these great examples of leaders who are walking with the mindset of being more diverse and inclusive. What's your message as an essential national retailer who has a tremendous breadth of knowledge? What's your message to the country right now? Which is, I have to tell you, a country that I find a little discouraged. Jim, my message is simple. Look, I grew up in a small town uh, with parents that didn't have formal educations. Uh, I worked my way through college starting out as a $4.35 an hour associate, and now I'm the CEO of the 44th largest company in America. So the first person we want to highlight is the CEO of Lowe's, Marvin Ellison, who once started by making $4.35 an hour as a Target security guard. And now he's a CEO of Lowe's. He was even the CEO of J.C. Penney. And the thing about Marvin Ellison is that he's very rare. And why do I say that? Marvin Ellison is rare because only about 1% of Fortune 500 companies are ran by African-American or black CEOs. Only 
5%. So that's about five. And if you don't know what a Fortune 500 company is, this is pretty much like a market prestige. The Fortune 500 title comes from Fortune magazine. They come out with a yearly list of about 500 of the largest U.S. companies, and they're ranked by their total revenues within that fiscal year, their respective fiscal year. So they look at the most recent figures of revenue, including both public and private companies with publicly available revenue data, and then bam, they come up with this listing. So to be on this list is a big thing. You want to be able to say, we are a Fortune 500 company. And again, he is within that that 1% of black African-American CEOs that you rarely see. So for him, he not only came from a space where, or a community where he didn't necessarily see what you would consider success. And with his family pushing him with this drive, he was able to do something that, and be in a position that as you can see is rare, because again, this is a 1% number. But he was able to not only do that, but he also put his money where his mouth is. He also created a space where he was ensuring that there was gonna be diversity and inclusion. Now he's only been the CEO of Lowe since 2018. But what he did first, one of the things he did is he connected with the chief diversity officer. This is something that a lot of organizations haven't have within their organization. It's somebody that really tries to embed that diversity within the organization. And he launched a collection of business resource groups. And this was focused on more of the underrepresented workers, people like minorities, black. And a lot of times you also see that dynamic with females. You see, you don't see a lot of females in certain roles. So he created this and each of them have an executive sponsor and their goal is to promote broader cultural competency and gain visibility among company leadership. So again, they're trying to build that diversity. They're trying to have that inclusion. And now they're also trying to change the leadership. And now you have that equity piece, that seat at the table. So with him, it was something that he found as important. And from there, he's been able to host a bunch of events. Like he had a women's leadership conference that brought together 500 women employees, store managers. And these were women of different backgrounds, different ethnicities. And they were able to come together and collaborate with people they didn't know. He was able to do all these associate-led groups and really try to make sure, again, that his organization had more cultural competency, competency, and also created spaces where you will see more diversity. They'll see more visibility. Get to connect with people they don't see. Because again, when you see recruiting efforts for a lot of organizations, they might not be connecting with people that's on that first floor, that second floor. They might be pulling talent from the outside. But this was now creating a space where people can have more visibility to connect with people that might not look like them connect with people within their organization. So because he took this role so seriously, because he decided that I'm gonna really connect with my chief diversity officer and create these opportunities, he's been able to really shake up and make some changes. And now he's one of the leaders in this idea of diversity, inclusion, and equity. One of his quotes that I wanna leave you with before we transition into the next CEO is that he says, to overcome the challenges that we all face, we must use our voices and demand that ignorance and racism must come to an end. This is a time to come together to support one another and through partnership begin to heal. We want to thank you, Marvin Ellison, and we hope and pray that you continue to embed this mindset of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, is it really about just we need more engineers so we have to tap into these diverse areas or is it more about the diversity and you want 
different ideas, different backgrounds in these fields? I think the diversity is so important because when you, you have a diverse table, people approach things differently. They come up with different solutions. Together they can collaborate and have even better solutions. So the next person we want to highlight is Mary Barra. She is the first and only female CEO of an automaker. I'm not, I, I said, I said what I said. It was the first and only female CEO of an automaker and that's General Motors. So even as you can see, there's also a lack of diversity in regards to women representation. There's studies out there that show only about 4% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. And again, it's more likely that you'll see a CEO with the name John or David. Actually, they make up about nearly about 10% of the CEOs, then you'll see women. So again, you'll see more people named John or David as a Fortune 500 CEO than you see a woman in the seat or see a black or an African-American in the seat. So those are rare occurrences. So we still have a ways to go. But again, she is one of the individuals that is standing out. Why? Because she's the first and only. There are other organizations that haven't had a first and only, but they will too. So as she's been within this organization, and even historically, GM was one of the first Fortune 500 companies to have a black board member, and it was one of the first of its kind to have a minority dealer development program. So historically, GM has tried to really embed you know, this diversity, inclusion. And if you're thinking about the 70s, if you're thinking about the racial dynamics or how you know racism might have raged during that time and the lack of diversity of that time, I mean, you were transitioning right up the 60s. The 60s was the civil rights movement. So by them doing that so early on shows that, okay, this is an organization that might have been over time really trying to embed this. So let's go back to Mary. Some, some other things that she's doing is she has par partnered with an organization called Black Girls Code. And their goal, of course, is to really, really introduce STEM and all these technical fields to young Black girls because that's not the norm. A lot of schools are creating these STEM programs. They're really trying to introduce STEM and coding and all these technical fields to African-American, to Black students, because that isn't the norm. They're not seeing that. So she's partnered with them because, again, this partnership is going to help open doors to more minorities and to more women that could enter into the doors of GM as they are becoming more innovative. Because as she said earlier, and studies show, diversity, inclusion, and equity, different minds bring different solutions, and that could result to more revenue. It results to more innovation, so it's important. So that's one of the efforts she is leading. Also, she recently sent an email within the company that was titled, there's a big difference between seeing what's wrong and doing what's right. So in that memo, she promised to donate $10 million to organizations that support inclusion and racial justice. And she is also forming an inclusion advisory board with the goal of becoming the most inclusive company in the world. So she is really trying to embed that. She's made partnerships. She's connected with people in order for her company to see that shift and that change. And although GM may have GM Fortune 500 companies might have a long ways to go. They are making little strides to really be a company or being within that realm of Fortune 500 companies that is embedding this inclusion and equity into their organization. So in her words, she says, let's stop asking why and start asking what. What are we going to do? In this moment, we each must decide what we can do individually and collectively to drive change meaningfully and deliberate change. 
A tech company called Salesforce is the perfect example of just how tough it can be to close the remaining pay gap. Salesforce is huge, 30,000 employees, $10 billion in annual revenue, and it was just ranked by Fortune as the number one best place to work among big companies. That helps explain why founder and CEO Mark Benioff was so cocky when the woman who runs his human resources department came to talk to him about equal pay back in 2015. So when Cindy Robbins came to you and said, you know, we may have a problem with unequal pay in the company, what was your reaction? Well, I said, that's not possible here. You know, it's, it's not possible. Why was it impossible? It's impossible because we have a great culture here. We're a, we're a best place to work. And we don't do that kind of thing. We don't play shenanigans, paying people, paying people unequally. It's unheard of. It's crazy. Crazy because Benioff had already made promoting and retaining women a priority at Salesforce. But personnel chief Cindy Robbins says he never ordered an audit to make sure men and women were being paid equally. And what I told Mark was, the one thing we can't do is do the assessment, look under the hood, see a big dollar sign, and shut the hood. So the last person we want to highlight, and I mentioned him last podcast, but again, I, what I appreciate about Mark Benioff, he's the CEO of Salesforce, is that he's been at this since 2012. So he's not one of these organizations that just responded when these situations happened recently with what happened with George Floyd, with what's been happening across the globe, or especially in, in the United States. He's responding now. He's been making changes since back in 2012. And Mark Benioff, he doesn't have an issue because he's not in that demographic of a lack of diversity because he is a Caucasian male. And normally that is normally the faces of CEOs within organizations in Fortune 500 companies. So he doesn't have issues in that area. So does he have anything to lose by doing this? Not really. I mean, he might have more to gain, but he's not hurting specifically because of his demographic. But even from that, he recognized in 2012, listen, there was a lack of women representation. So what did he do? He said, when I go into meetings, I want to see women representation. I need to have at least 30% of women in this meeting. Why? Because he valued their opinion. Again, that's that inclusion. I need you guys to come in, give me your input. Because yes, there were diversity and he was already highlighted as best places to work before Someone came to him and said, hey, we have a pay issue. There's a pay gap between men and women. And when he heard that, that's why he said he was bothered because he's like, man, I've been doing things. I've been making changes. I've been investing and focusing on representation for women. However, again, the hood was lifted and then closed. There was nothing that went behind that to ensure and verify that there was truly a pay gap and there was truly action behind it. So that's what he did. He did that and invested almost $10 million to fix the pay gap. I mean, between that time in 2015 to about 2017, 2018 sometime, he's been able to really bridge that gap and address the pay issue. And this wasn't something that just affected women. It was also a racial thing and also ethnicity, making sure it was equitable across the board. And then he also even requires company leaders to fill out scorecards when they're rating how often they promote women and underrepresented minorities, which is huge. I mean, he wants to see that Hey, as we are 
promoting within, as we are, you know, bringing new talent in, I need to make sure that you guys are fairly treating our women, treating people from different ethnicities and backgrounds to ensure that, again, everyone gets an equal seat at the table. So, again, he's been putting that work in. He also hired a chief equality officer who has been, again, pivotal in a lot of these changes happening. So even when he recognized some unconscious bias back in 2017, they now have training about that. They have a one-day workshop on it, and they also have a virtual platform where people can review this information. So again, he's been putting in the work since 2012, and that's why I appreciate him so much because, again, he's in that demographic where, okay, he is a white male. He doesn't probably have to worry about the same issues that women have or people from the African-American community, the black community have, or people from the Asian community. He might not have to worry about that. However, he took the charge to make sure that I am going to focus on these things and make these changes. I mean, they have so much work to do. Based off of the data, it said only about 1.5 of its leaders and 2.9% of its employees are black. Um, so on June 10th, he even announced that it will be adding recruiting to the title of the chief equality officer. So he's saying that, okay, we've already addressed this issue of the pay gap and people within, but now for recruiting, now he's affecting change to make sure that the candidates and the people that are coming in are a diverse, a, a diverse group of people. So now the chief equality officer is now going to focus on recruiting efforts to make sure that we are fostering that inclusive, that inclusive lens across the board, even in the hiring process. So that is huge. And again, he has nothing to lose. It's so important that we are making sure that everyone gets a seat at the table, but he's taken different strides and evolving. So even from 2012 to 2015 to 2017 to even now, he's still making those changes. And in his words, he says, we are at a point where CEOs recognize that they just can't be for their shareholders. Shareholders are people who might have stock in the company. They have to be for all their stakeholders. So that's the employees, that's the team members, that's anybody that's attached to that organization in some kind of way, whether if it's their, for their schools, whether if it's for their environment, whether it's for the fundamental equality for every human being. Shout out to Mark Benioff. Shout out to Mary Barra. Shout out to everyone out there that are doing and making these strides to really embed inclusion for really doing these things to focus on equity. And definitely to Marvin Ellison, because again, he represents the 1%, a small amount of Black and African-American CEOs in these four Fortune 500 companies. So we need more. We need more of these examples. And on the other side, I'm going to give you guys some takeaways, things that you can do if you are a CEO listening, if you have some ideas you want to share with your organization, with your leaders, if they're asking, hey guys, what should we be doing? Let's take some tips and some ideas from these individuals so we can help our leadership. So even as CEOs and business owners, these are things that we can embed within our culture of our companies, our organizations, as we move forward in embedding this DE&I, this diversity, equity, and inclusion. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. 
Have you had an opportunity to check out my free resources on my website, AishaThomas.org? If you haven't, go check it out right now. You need to make sure that even today, you have the skills to really be an effective leader, an effective coach, an effective mentor. So go to AishaThomas.org backslash free session, or go to AishaThomas.org and click on free resources and get the tools that's gonna help you improve those skills, those abilities, and give you that confidence to lead, mentor, and coach and take your team members to new levels. So if you're like me, you've had your leadership or if you are a business leader like me, you're like, man, I really want to make sure that I also walk and talk the talk of diversity, inclusion and equity within my organization. What do I do or what do I tell my leadership? Well, one of the things that we can learn from each one of these business leaders, these CEOs, is some great tips, like there's some great strategies that they embedded within their organization as well. As we know from Marvin Ellison, an example is when he created those women leadership summits. And again, these women from diverse backgrounds, they were able to connect. They had never met with each other. So from there, they were able to collaborate, come up with ideas, and now it's affecting change. And now these women are connecting and they're coming up with ideas and more things. And now they can really bring that to the forefront of the organization. So is there a platform? Are there spaces where you're connecting your organization and bringing your team together to come up with ideas, for them to connect with one another. I think that's also important in building relationships and empathy when you do have a situation where something affects a community that might not necessarily affect you the same way because you don't necessarily understand. So go to them or even yourself. Am I making sure that I am building connectivity within my organization? We're having these resource groups. We're having these mentorships, pro- mentorship programs within our organization to ensure that we are giving this to all the diverse minds, for people to connect with one another, and that's where innovation and all these different changes can be made. Now, if we look at Mary Barra, she thought it was important to partner with organizations on the outside. So if you can do that, there might be organizations out that side that you can connect to that can help you bring in a pool of diverse minds and candidates. Mary Barra connected with Black Girls Code. Now she's connected and she's gotten a partnership with an organization on the outside that is diverse and now she can bring in a pool of young black girls or whoever you connect with from there that are diverse so you can introduce them to STEM, introduce them to these technical fields or introduce them to whatever field that you're in. But again, that's opening that door and that connectivity within partnerships. So are there community community partners you can get with? Are there people you can connect with that you can say, listen, I'm going to have an inclusion advisory board and now I'm going to bring a community, a community partner because you're getting that outside perspective for your potential candidates. You have somebody internally, people that is people that are diverse within the organization that can give you feedback. And you also also have that leadership at the top there as well, people who can truly make those changes within the organization. So that's something that we can take away from Mary Barra. And then finally, from Mark Benioff, he's been able to do so many great things from hiring a chief equality officer. So even if you can't hire someone, think about have you done audits? Have you done assessments to make sure that there is equal treatment or equal pay? Are there reviews you can do annually? 
that you can just make sure, okay, what is the pulse of my organization or my team? Are they happy? Are there some areas that I need to focus on? Do I need to focus on developing the leadership? Do I need to focus on maybe building uh, relationships and community connections? So these are ways that you can find out within the organization what you could do to be better. And also it's so important from the outside. There's so many pools of people that could be coming into your business, your organization, to your companies that are missing out and they're not missing out intentionally, but it's because they might have not necessarily seen that door open for them. Maybe you mean to be diverse, but you haven't necessarily verified and made sure that your recruiting process is effective. So do that audit. Verify. Go to the different um, people within your team, your HR professionals, your different sections and your different parts of your business. They might be have people that work in HR, but you might have also people who work in the technical area of your business. You might have the marketing team. All these different teams might have different perspectives, but by going to all them, asking them specifically, what are your pain points? What can we do better? Now you can find out how you can be more effective in changing your organization from the inside all the way where it affects the externals. So again, take these tips from these CEOs, research, do your audits, create community partnerships, find ways to connect the people within if, within your organization because again, that's where you're gonna get some maybe exposure that you didn't even know, maybe some ideas that you would never have gotten to know if you just stay on your first floor or your third floor, or your second floor, and you never connect with people within that team. So take these ideas, really revamp your organizations, your businesses, your companies, or even take it to your leaders and say, this is what I think would work. This is something that you could may possibly do because it was effective with this business. It was effective with that business. And hopefully that will open up those doors where you're seeing more, again, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.